I'm not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The Commander? <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! Mobile suits. You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another Mobile-rific episode of Fan Holes Mobile Suit Mondays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow Gundam enthusiasts. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Bam, Mike, and I beat you with no hands or feet. Hey, this is Justin Zigzion. Don't don't blow us up yet. We still have a podcast to do. <laughs> so we are talking about the final installment of the original net animation, in case you haven't figured it out, for Mobile Suit Gundam Thunderbolt. We're going to be discussing episode four tonight. And I just thought this might be a opportune time to also mention and celebrate that we are now in the know that Right Stuff Anime is going to be releasing a Mobile Suit Gundam limited edition Blu-ray import. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's it's kind of on the expensive side. It's listed as SRP $89.99, but it appears to have all four episodes, and it's going to come out in July and of, of this year, 2016. And if my timey-wimey shenanigans work out, if my machiavellian master evil plans work out then you'll probably be listening to this by the time that set is coming out so if you want check it out and maybe you'll be able to snag that but i just thought i'd mention that before we get into the nitty-gritty of the final episode here and i i think we've all been looking forward to it we seem to have enjoyed the episodes as they've been releasing them and as we've been able to get our hands on them and i'll, I'll just reiterate again i mean just in general I, I think the animation on this is really beautiful. Like, I, I always sort of enjoy looking at the visuals on this show, regardless of, you know, story points and plot points and all that kind of stuff. I mean, do you guys ha want want to say anything about that in general before we get into the nitty-gritty on it? Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's I guess, since it's the, the show is kind of, like, shorter than usual, you know, they can spend a lot of money on making, you know, the 
the action look great and you know the character designs and you know look really animated and like emotions come across really well what I, what I was thinking was it's not just you know that you can tell that they spent their time on like the action sequences but it's stuff like you know daryl and carla sensei like you know running on the beach or you know just some space scenery or something like that like a pan through space like you can tell like they you know they like they spent the rest of their time and money like making it look like really really nice and i always appreciate that yeah definitely everything looks kind of sleek and cool and it, it really doesn't matter what the atmosphere is you can just tell that a lot of hard work was put into it so yeah i guess i guess we all appreciate that and i guess going into the nitty-gritty of, of what's going on here when we begin episode four we see that there is a lone survivor coming into contact with a Xeon fleet and the rest of the Living Dead Division is going to be dispatching to Sectors 2 and 3. And one of the survivors from last episode makes it to that Xeon fleet in a Rickdom. And he basically is hoping against hope that Daryl Lawrence and all his other Living Dead Division buddies can hold out in time. We go back immediately to the fight in progress between E.O. Fleming in the full armor Gundam and Daryl Lawrence in the Psycho Zaku or the Zaku High Mobility Type Reuse P device. Because I had to write that down because I'm not going to remember <laughs> all that. But yeah, that's I guess that's the official name of it. But we're just going to call it the Psycho Zaku from now on because that's good enough. And... You know, much like the manga, the the ruined cityscape is basically a playground for their battle within, like, you know, it's basically like when the, within the hole of a dead side. So you've got these two mobile suits in, in kind of a urban combat scenario where they're, you know, hiding behind buildings and, and taking pot shots at each other and stuff like that. And, and it's a pretty engaging fight. And they're, they're basically now in the heat of battle and everything. I, I thought it was kind of interesting because I, I know we've brought this up last episode in terms of personality, that, that Daryl is a much more optimistic soul than you would think somebody would be who has lost both his arms and his legs. But there's an interesting moment in the middle of the battle to me, Daryl seemed almost euphoric in regards to, like, basically now he's praising Carla, you know, Dr. Carla, for her great work because of the amount of control, the minutia of control he has over the Psycho Zaku, basically. And he's like, this is great. Like, look at how much control I have over it. It's almost better than having my arms and legs. Like, he almost seems kind of giddy in the middle of it and I, I thought I'd open that up for discussion like what what your guys's reaction was to that that moment I mean I think that's even the avatar that Justin has tonight it looks like it's that moment where he's just kind of almost gleeful about you know like o almost as if all his suffering is worth it to have that that moment of control and, and awesomeness in the midst of battle. Yeah, I, that's that's the moment where I was like, uh oh, he's gonna like he's gonna end up like four or something. Like he's gonna to he's gonna go like totally bonkers and wipe out everything. But but thankfully they didn't go in that direction. But I I did think it was like a, a really interesting moment where he was you know overcome with himself. I don't I, I'm not really sure any 
and, you know, obviously piloted other mobile suits before, so, like, I, I'm not sure what the difference was other than, you know, it was, he was, you know, somehow fully connected to it, or maybe it was the psychoness of it, the psycho frame or, or whatever it was that was, like, affecting him somehow, or, I don't know, maybe it's like when you, you know, when you're, like, when you're driving your car and you get it up, like, you know, as fast as you possibly can, and you get, like, tunnel vision, and you're just like, whoa, like, I can't believe this, like, maybe that's what it was for him or something. The only thing I was thinking of was, how does he like? You know, his he was like bleeding from the nose at one point, and like I was like, what if he threw up or he like was bleeding from the face? Like he can't wipe his face or anything. Like that would like screw him probably. But uh, no, otherwise, yeah. Like I was kind of like, man, like he he's into maybe maybe it kind of like get, reclaimed some of those feelings of like running on the beach for him or something. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I I, I think obviously he's. He, he's taking his moment of, of joy or solace in the midst of all the kind of suffering he's had. And, and like we said, he seems to be a typically optimistic person. So I, I didn't think it was completely out of character, but, but I did think it was an interesting moment for him where he just, he seems to be, you know, reveling in, in his abilities and everything when he's on the battlefield here. I, I thought it was worth mentioning. I'll, I'll keep trying to intersperse this kind of, stuff when it comes up but i did look at the manga again and just to clarify there are six volumes of the thunderbolt manga as of or i guess you know basically as of now or whatever i I guess it doesn't matter what time frame it's in but but basically the six volumes of the manga do correspond with these four episodes but only up until about midway through volume three and then after that it kind of keeps going off into its you know continued story so i and i i'd say in general they they pretty much match up pretty well even though i i I seem to recall reading and and hearing commentary that you know maybe you know some people had leveled criticisms that maybe the animation focused too much on the daryl eo rivalry but i i kind of feel like in reading it that is the focus of the story so i think that criticism is kind of stupid myself nothing against the people who made it i just i i don't really subscribe to or understand that but what i did want to mention was that what i thought was interesting was and and this wasn't really done in this episode or any of the previous episodes that i can think of the the manga has some interesting juxtaposition between captain claudia and Dr. Carla while the two men are fighting. It's almost like, you know, the way the the music styles are different and sort of clash. It's almost like, you know, their women, you know, are different and kind of clash or, or, or you know, their, their love interests. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's it's interesting because you've got, you know, the, the jazz and I guess maybe Claudia is, is a representation of that. And then you've kind of got the pop music and maybe Dr. Carla's sort of a personification of that. And, and in the midst of these beginning battle skirmishes, you know, you, you do see that paralleled almost, you know, Jeff Loeb style, you know, where it's like, oh, here's the Batman side of the panel and here's the Superman side of the panel. And we're going to, you know, hit you over the head with the fact that these these chicks are totally different. And, and so are their their men who are in the middle of this battle. So I thought that was kind of an interesting thing and worth pointing out. We continue the story, and the Federation 
more Brotherhood survivors are going to raid these remaining Zeon ships. And there's a bunch of the more Brotherhood soldiers, and they're already in these lifeboats, but there is commentary that basically there's only so much oxygen to go around, and the people that are in these lifeboats won't survive much longer unless they take over one of these Zeon ships. So they need to do that in order to survive. Our guy Cornelius, friend to EO, who's always giving him handkerchiefs and Kleenexes and stuff, is in one of the lifeboats, and he's given a rifle for the upcoming raid, and he makes a comment that he finally understands why someone would want to listen to music on the battlefield, and then we're sort of treated to some jazzy music when they begin raiding the Xeon ship. The jazzy music continues as we cut back to EO and Daryl in the middle of their battle. And again, like I kind of mentioned, at this point, I mean, it's slowly becoming more and more about urban combat and sneak attacks. EO, his camera gets bazookaed, and then he's basically taken offline, and, and it's kind of an oh shit moment for him. And he basically is sent on the run because he leaves that side and, and starts flying out into space because he at this point cannot see anything and daryl now is fairly confident he will be able to kill eo his rival we then cut back to cornelius and he is getting ordered to repair the engine of the zeon ship so he's off and headed to the engine room eo then finally has a moment to himself and he's hiding behind the space debris and he gets his camera functional again. But then, meanwhile, the Xeon on the ship are basically having a sing-along. And then that's while the, the Federation More Brotherhood team is basically preparing to enter the airlock. And I, I believe the song is listed in the manga as Good Night, My Love. So that's basically what they're... they're having their sing-along to what i mean i i don't know like like i i thought this was a little odd i i just you know i i i don't know like i i felt like it was a little odd what did you guys think of that moment where they're kind of having a little sing-songy moment i wasn't really sure what was going on for a minute there like it it was kind of bizarre like i i didn't want cornelius to die because i liked the character but I, like i kind of expected him to like run in there and like you know immediately get slaughtered or something but like seeing all those like wounded soldiers there and he's just kind of like taken aback and then they're all singing i was like this is this is bizarre like this is not what i expected it to happen right here yeah it seemed it kind of seemed like all the zeon were kind of resigned to their fate where all the federation guys were kind of like trying to cling to life or whatever but um i don't know yeah the it, i guess it made it it made the zeon look like more composed basically than the federation I, I i don't dispute what you're saying like the composure of the zeon troops but like i i think the way the show is designed you know you've got these jazzy songs and then you've got these pop songs and and i think this is maybe a combination where it's like this song is kind of a a pop song but it also kind of has its roots in in some kind of jazzy tone and it the i guess the disconnect for me that felt funny was i felt like i saw all these animatics of people and their lips were moving but it didn't quite match 
the song or yeah. the tone. You know, like 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 I, I get that they were yeah, I didn't somber and resigned, but you, you felt like somebody would be like singing their national anthem. Like you know you know how like the, you know in, in Char's Counterattack where it's like you know they've got their you know Char theme or the Zeon theme or whatever you know like like if it was something like that you know like like somebody singing some kind of you know, national song or, or anthem, then I, I could kind of understand it. But in this case, it's kind of like, it's the difference between, you know, singing, you know, America the Brave versus, I don't know, some Britney Spears pop song before you die. And it's like, yeah, you can both be resigned, but it's kind of funny when it's the Britney Spears song, I guess. Is so like if the, the Federation guys came in and they were all like, hit me, baby, one more time. Yeah, yeah. It's like, like, what the like, fuck is going on in here? I, like, I, I feel strange. Like, like it doesn't it doesn't quite feel right. You like know? the Federation guys are like, uh, does anyone else feel real uncomfortable right now? Like, just me? Like... <laughs> Yes, I totally, I totally feel that way. I totally feel uncomfortable. So at this point, I mean, like, like what Mike was saying from before. I mean, the Zeon are certainly resigned to their fate because Doctor Carla is there with all of her colleagues, and there are about four of them, and they're making ready this kamikaze explosion that's basically a bomb that's going to destroy the entire ship and pretty much everybody within the radius of the ship. And, you know, at this point, the, the more Brotherhood troops bust in. And, and, I mean, they're declaring that they're taking over the ship, but they do it kind of fearfully. It's kind of like, you know, the guy's like, okay, we're, um, we're in charge now, and who's the highest-ranking guy? Bring him to me now! Or else I'll get really rough with you, you know. And it's 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 like they're they're clearly just as shitting their pants, you know. Uh, kind of what what Mike was hinting at. The, these these guys are not quite as composed and everything. And and of course Carla's there with her colleagues, and they're basically making these these declarations that they they refuse to end up as prisoners of war. They they would rather die than have their soldier duty tarnished by being captured by the enemy we are still in the midst of the daryl eo fight and the full armor gundam basically unloads all of the missiles on daryl and carla is thinking of daryl before she is going to commit to this plan to kamikaze herself on the ship Eo ends up nailing the Psycho Zaku's arm, and Daryl ends up landing a hit on the full armor Gundam's shield. And at this point, they're both kind of spinning out of control, and they're both pretty messed up. Cornelius is tearfully pleading with Dr. Carla to end the killing right before they were about to zig Zion everything all to hell. And... What ends up happening is there's a guy with like a little signal device and Carla's slowly figuring out what he's doing in the background of Cornelius's tearful pleading. And what it is is a signal to one of the gun cannons outside. And this gigantic flash of light comes in and basically destroys the bomb, all three of the people around it, and only Carla who is kind of keying in on what's going on and runs toward the one more Brotherhood soldier to stop it, 
makes it out in one piece. But basically what it is, is the gun cannon's beam saber just stabbed straight through the hull and it has destroyed the bomb, so nobody's going to get blown up, and it's incinerated the three Xeon colleagues that were surrounding the bomb. And at this point, like, she flies out of the airlock, but she's in a normal suit. Cornelius quickly puts his helmet back on, and he's okay, but the gun cannon grabs Dr. Carla in its hand, and at this point, she pretty much has lost all her marbles. Like, she's just screaming, and she's kind of nuttier than a fruitcake at that point. So I will, I will sort of open it up to uh, thoughts and comments on Dr. Carla losing all her marbles at this point, and, and what your reactions may or may not have been to that at this point. I, I thought that was pretty horrific. Like, I, I didn't know what was going to happen there. I was like, wait, what's he doing? Because, like, it, it was such a quick cut. I was like, what's he doing? He's got something on the hole or something. And then all of a sudden you see this flash, and they're just disintegrated. And I was just like, wait, what What happened? And then you see, like, the beam saber dis- disengage. I was like, holy crap. Like, those guys just got disintegrated, like, instantly. Like, yeah. I, I kind of, you know, you feel for her, and you kind of feel like, you know... You, you get why she's lost it at this point because, you know, she's already seen, like, so much, you know, happen through these four episodes. And, you know, she's done so much to Daryl, you know, and then to see, like, all these people in front of her, you know, even though they were going to blow themselves up anyway, to, like, see that happen and survive it. Like, I can totally get why she's, like, you know, lost it now. I think the, the, the moral of the story is if you're going to blow yourself up, hurry the fuck up and blow yourself <laughs> up. Do it. Just, just do it. That's the, but uh, yeah, and, and the, like I, I feel like the worst part is it seems like Cornelius was like being sincere and stuff, and like he he yeah, probably didn't yeah. even know they were doing that. So yeah, yeah, because I I think even in the manga it, it's a little more on the nose where it's almost like after Cornelius does that, it's like the, the two guys in the back are almost like high fiving each other, like we're gonna get air, bro, like we did it, you know. And slapping each other high fives and shit because they're like all relieved that that they're fine and you know that the the bomb's not going off and stuff like that so yeah i mean definitely so at this point in the middle of the eo daryl battle eo has decided to purge all his remaining armor to even up the fight and at this point like the full armor gundam armorless kind of reminds me of like the alex gundam from 0080 which starts to apologize or at least makes me feel a little better about continuity if that makes any sense like because i'm like looking at the frame and like oh yeah that, that could kind of work like maybe sort of kind of like it's not it's not ridiculously overpowered or or doesn't look completely out of place to me at this point now that it's purged all its armor and everything like that yeah it looks more like a standard gundam like instead yeah. without all the add-ons and stuff but it's like i like the part yeah like you said when it, it reveals all these like hidden missile chambers and fires like at the psycho zaku and i was like what like the rx-78 didn't have room for those like holy crap <laughs> like okay <laughs> so at this point since the explosion did not go off the more Brotherhood troops and Zeon are now in the middle of this bloody firefight, and there are these dead, bloody bodies floating around in the zero-gravity environment. 
the last guy who's left, who in the manga is the one who's identified as the person who is, quote-unquote, in charge, because I guess he's the chief petty officer, and he's the guy with the little, I guess, cobra mask or whatever, for lack of a better term. And he basically is running towards the back where there are all these warheads on the ship, and it looks like everybody's trying to hold off the other gunmen until he can trigger another explosion. You know, plan B, I guess, is to set off these warheads. And at first it looks like it's going to be a dud because he keeps pressing the trigger and nothing's happening. But then all of a sudden he kind of nervously keeps shaking it and triggers it again. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, it is going to go off. And then the explosion basically does go off. We're cutting to... Daryl, who, even though he's in the middle of a life-or-death battle, he's actually busy dreaming about the beach and Carla in a bikini. And I, they, there's a sequence of them kissing. And, uh, you know, I guess I would imagine maybe this was before he left to go fight. But maybe also this is all just a fantasy in his own head. I, I wasn't entirely a hundred percent sure. I mean, I, I, I know I've submitted that. I think they both have feelings for each other and stuff like that, but I'm not a hundred percent sure if they were ever officially yeah. enacted on. Like I, I know, mentioned, like, I mentioned this in our review of last episode where I was kind of like, like, wait a minute. Like, uh, yeah, it's like, is this trying to say they already had like a previous relationship? Cause I didn't really get that from previous episodes, but I mean, I, I think I did, but I, I, or at least that, that there were feelings there. I think I got that because I, I said so last episode, but as far as whether that sequence, I mean, I, I would say flat out the beach sequence is imaginary. The, the only thing I was questioning is, did they actually kiss and have a laugh or is that just all in his head as well? Like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Did you have any take on that, Justin, one way or the other? I took the beach sequence as a fantasy, but the you know the kiss before he goes into the psychozaku, like I took that as reality. Okay, cool. All right, that 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 seems to make sense. That seems to be the most straightforward interpretation. And at this point, like Eo is busy moving in on the psychozaku with a beam saber thrust. And, of course, he's hurling out insults, calling him peg leg and saying that jazz will be the last thing he ever hears. And then, all of a sudden, Ash from Pokemon cries a magic thunderbolt. <laughs> and, you know, much like I was taught at a young age when I was in Europe, that the, when you are struck by the thunderbolt, it means, I, you know, I think I was in Italy at the time or something like that. And there was this little girl or whatever, and I was a little boy, so it's okay, guys. Calm down. But I, I was young, and she was young, and we both kind of dug each other and everything. And and I remember the way my mom always put it was not that I fell in love with somebody or that I had a little girlfriend, but she always said that, you know, I was struck by the thunderbolt. And, and I kind of think of that as the same thing here. Like, that's kind of what this title means to me now, because it's almost like this thunderbolt of love reactivates the Psycho Zaku at the last minute. You know, it's like he's having these images and dreams of Carla, who, you know, basically he decides, you know, he even has a line of dialogue that says, meeting you was a miracle. 
And so that basically reactivates the Psycho Zaku at the last minute, and Daryl launches a rocket, and so, like, the Beam Saber destroys the Psycho Zaku's head, and the rocket basically lops off the full armor Gundam's head, and both suits are pretty much destroyed. What, what, what did you guys think of this? Like, was this, was this too, too far gone, the whole Thunderbolt thing? Or since it had happened a couple times before in the show, were you sort of ready for it? Like, what, or is this one, is this one step too far in a real robot genre anime for you guys? It, it was a really great moment. And I was like, yeah, but then it's like, I, as I stopped and think about it, I was like, this, you know, these four episodes have been fairly like realistic and not full of like anything like, you know, wacky double Zeta, you know, over the top anime stuff. But like this is kind of just a little bit like just a little bit over the top, you know, like a little, you know, it's like it doesn't really go into like the whole like realistic and nihilistic thing they've got going on these episodes, I guess. I just I just thought it was the lightning's way of paying Daryl back for that time. It blocked the sniper shot from a couple episodes ago for EO. And so the lightning was like, and now you get one. Everybody gets one. Like you've, you've broken even on the yeah, Thunderbolts. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Justice yeah. like lightning. So basically after that, you're kind of left briefly in a state of mystery as to what exactly has gone down and what the fate of our protagonists are. But there's a quick time skip to a bunch of debris in space, and we see all these different mobile suits, and there are all these kind of erratic pans. And eventually, one of the erratic pans moves down, and we can see the full armor Gundam and Psycho Zaku, and the suits are still as damaged as they were before, and they're floating around in space. And then EO comes to pretty quickly, and he exits his suit. And then while he's exiting, he sees Daryl doing the same thing. And of course... EO is dumbfounded and awestruck that, in his words, so don't don't send your angry emails to me, but this is EO's words, not mine, but he, he basically can't believe he lost to a cripple. He's like, this guy with no arms and no legs kicked my ass? How can this be? And he's all, like, freaked out and everything like that. And in addition, though, like, which I, this is the part that sort of surprised me and I wasn't expecting was that... EO appears to also be surrounded by tons of other Xeon mobile suits. And, of course, by this point, it's, you know, too late for the Psycho Zaku suit, and that kind of drifts off into space and explodes. So I suppose, in some way, continuity is preserved because these overpowered super suits are destroyed and conceivably lost to time so that, you know, it, you know maybe one day they'll be recreated in, you know, Zeta or Double Zeta, but not, not for a while, I suppose. And at this point, like, it's almost as if our Federation protagonists have lost. And that, that was the point that sort of surprised me. I know, you know, we, th there was a moment, and I'm, I'm not sure how you guys took this, because when I saw the anime, I almost took it as it looked like Carla and Daryl were reunited. Like, I almost thought maybe they were going to get kind of a happy ending. And we, we see EO and Cornelius are now prisoners of war, and Cornelius kind of relays the information that Claudia's dead, and of course this, even though even though EO's kind of a no-nonsense pragmatic guy, you can see it still kind of tears him up, even though he's putting on a, a pretty strong front and everything. But 
after that, there's a sequence where we see Carla in kind of a recovery tube and everything. And they basically say, like, again, the research is locked up in her mind and she's still kind of as nutty as she was in that previous sequence. So I, I felt like at least the visual to me felt like there was some kind of disconnect. The The only thing I can offer is, and this isn't like too much of a spoiler or anything like that, uh, given that, you know, we've seen this anime to its conclusion, but the, the way the manga has it set up, it makes it a little more clear because like in that moment, that visual moment where, Daryl's kind of cradling Carla. It doesn't quite feel as happy because the I, I don't know if it's the way he's cradling her, but it's also the fact that there's lots of weird Beavis and Butthead like hey, 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 coming out of her mouth. Like whereas you don't I don't know, I didn't notice any kind of insane laughter coming from her in that sequence. So it didn't really dawn on me until I saw her in like this huge test tube but I, I guess i'm again kind of curious how you guys interpreted it and and maybe knowing or not knowing what was in the manga you know if that changes your opinion or interpretation i wasn't sure how to take that because it, you know like you said it it did look like there was going to be a happy ending you know at least for those two characters and then it kind of you know we have a scene and then it jumps to like she's like being put in this little like test tube cryo chamber thingy and i'm just like wait a minute like they just they just had a little happy moment together. Like, what happened? What was that? I was like, well, maybe that was like another, you know, running on the beach, you know, fantasy sequence. Like, what? That's, you know, that's what he wanted in his mind. But that's, you know, obviously not reality. I, I, I kind of like I, I took it as reality, but like I, like I, I guess yeah, the insane part wasn't so clear. Like I, she, I think she was just kind of giggling like in the anime, and I was kind of like, wait, is she okay now? Like how did where did where did they like there was kind of a disconnect like did they get her back like I thought the the federation had her uh, I don't know yeah well I I think the idea was the the I guess what what is the inference is the guy in the Rick Dom at the beginning he basically brought in the cavalry you know like he called reinforcements and there is that sequence you know when they're looking at Carla in the test tube in the recovery bay or whatever you know Daryl does have that moment where he says thank you for for basically calling in the reinforcements and everything and we wouldn't have survived if it wasn't for you so you know kind of what I imagine is yes those more brotherhood guys took over that one ship and yes the gun cannon had Dr. Carla in its little gun cannon hand or whatever but by that point when when we do that time skip it's like EO surrounded by tons of suits and there probably are tons of ships around the one commandeered ship so I assume they quickly you know, like in the in the manga there's actually lines of dialogue where they radio over and basically accept the terms of surrender so it's like they, they, they to me it was kind of like okay they they surrendered and and didn't put up a you know I mean they were so desperate to get on that ship for oxygen so I guess they were desperate enough to you know they, they didn't have the same kind of you know desire to go out in a blaze of glory as the the Zeon guys on that ship did you know they didn't have the same level of either determination or patriotism or zealotry or however you want to characterize it you know they they didn't have that in them and and they they quickly sort of acquiesced to 
the demands of, of the encroaching Xeon fleet and everything. And just, just to wrap up the episode, pretty much, the, the episode ends, and I, I guess the, the series ends, on kind of an ominous note where Eo is in prison. He's basically being smacked around by all the other Xeon guards, even though one of them kind of stops stops the the beating before it gets too serious and at this point daryl is coming to visit him and they have a bit of a discussion but i mean ultimately it, it ends the series with a shot of a bawaku which is a battle that has yet to happen in the one-year war even though we all know kind of what goes down at a bawaku and that it's the final big old battle of the one-year war and eo is there saying that he and Daryl are basically destined to fight on and telling him the war isn't over yet. And then we basically see a Bawaku gleaming in the background. And, and to anybody who's a fan of the series, like we all know what that portends. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it ends kind of ominously. Uh, I guess before I go into some manga stuff, if, if you guys want me to, I'm just kind of curious about what your thoughts on, on the ending are. I was kind of surprised that, like, basically the Xeon guys won. I mean, you know, we, we've talked in some of these Gundam shows before about how, you know, the Federation is often, like, shady and sneaky and full of, like, you know, nasty people. But, like, I don't know, like, for, for whatever reason, I guess I just expected, like, EO to come out on top, you know, regardless. Like, even though he's kind of, you know, sometimes he himself is, like, not the nicest guy. You know, he's he's a realist. But, like, I kind of I kind of expected him to win, like, when he was thrusting his saber at daryl i was like well it's over like daryl's dead so like not only when daryl survived but like when he like beat him and like they have eo captive i was like huh like i didn't see that coming but now like i was like that's a pleasant surprise i was yeah actually actually i was kind of the opposite i was kind of expecting it at that point where i thought i thought that final confrontation was kind of framed like daryl was like quote unquote like the hero basically so, and like, I was surprised that like, like I didn't expect those Xeon reinforcements to show up, but like, yeah, I, I was kind of like, okay, well, I guess they're, I, I guess I thought maybe Daryl was going to kill EO, but then Daryl was the one who was going to be like surrounded by like Federation or whatever, but they, they, they'd swerve there at least. So I guess what I will do at this point is offer you guys a choice. I imagine you guys haven't read the manga. Is that a accurate assumption? Yes. Yep. Okay. Do you care if I spoil things? Because all I would say as far as a non-spoilery thing, and then we could end it if you you know, want to proceed at your own, own volition, is that, as I said, this ends about midway through the third volume of the manga, and there is a lot more story after that. And I've only read through, like, the fourth volume at this point. And so I still have two more volumes to go, but I only I only read up to where we were discussing tonight, but there there is a lot more story after that. So, I mean, I could dispel some, you know, illusions you may or may not have, but I'm, I'm perfectly willing to let those hang in the air and just end it on, you know, conceivably there's enough manga that... We could get a sequel ONA series, maybe with another four episodes. I would imagine. I don't really mind. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever have time to read the rest of it, but I don't know, Justin. What about you? 
Um, I, I guess you could like go ahead and tell us what happens. Well, I, I mean, just like it's interesting because the manga immediately afterwards has some immediate stuff, and then there's another time skip. So, in answer to, I mean, I was just as shocked as you guys were that the the Zeon were essentially. For, for all intents and purposes, at the end of this, it appears like they're the victor in this battle, you know, that Daryl beat EO, and EO's in prison, and he's a POW, and he's getting beat the shit out of. But basically, like, not too long after that, some shenanigans go down. EO basically busts out of the prison, and he shoots all his guards in the head, and he frees Cornelius and everybody else, and they get the fuck out of there. And I think there's a bunch of, like, other Gundam like mass-produced suits that pick them up and save them and all that kind of stuff and then i think that's in the middle of a bawaku because i think the excuse is like daryl and all those guys are off fighting or something like that and that's when all that shenanigan stuff goes down and then there's a big giant time skip and there's a lot more political intrigue to it but i mean essentially like eo's back on the side you know with the the more brotherhood and all this other stuff and he's at like claudia's gravestone and then i guess her swarmy brother shows up and he kind of gives him some crap and ultimately i guess his only goal is to go back into battle so he sort of finagles some stuff with his sister like i guess he 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 sells the swarmy brother shares of his stock basically in the family business and that pisses off the sister enough to let him go back into battle. So they give him, like, a medal of honor, but it's, like, all this kind of, like, you know, basically it looks like everybody's hugging everybody, but for real, it's like they're both whispering, like, you motherfucker, you sold the shares. Like, it's like, you better put in your fucking will when you die that I get the rest of your shares, you son of a bitch. That's like, okay, just let me go into battle so I can fight some more. And then that's kind of how it rolls into, basically... Uh, another arc where basically it seems like eo and daryl are again going to meet on the battlefield but this time on earth and daryl does finally get to the beach on earth but it's kind of ironic because it's like you know you know how like you go to the beach and you you put your feet in the water and you just like the waves crashing over it and it's fun and you can put your toes in the sand and everything it's like so he's there but he's got like his metal legs and it's like it's almost like He's typical Daryl, where he's, like, enjoying that for some stupid reason. But meanwhile, all the other Living Dead Division buddy guys are like, get your fucking prosthetic fucking metal out of the water. It's going to rust up, man, <laughs> you know, and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, he's, at this point, he's definitely hailed as, like, the conquering hero. I mean, they, they make him badges. They paint, like, this cool thing on his Gelgoog, where it's, like, a Living Dead Division logo, and, and his whole pit boss crew are like you're the shit bro and and you know of course him he's like really i am thanks you know and like kind of kind of you know this kind of he's like you're you right know, i am the shit he's like kind of kind of kind of this brotherhood in arms thing but i mean you know ba basically what happens is by the end of it i guess cornelius is on this kind of white base like ship and he's wishing that eo was with him and by the time eo pulls all those strings you find out eo will be joining them on that ship in like a new prototype Gundam. I, I think it's called like the, the, 
the Atlas, I think, is what the suit is called. So it's like the Atlas Gundam, I assume, versus like some Galgoogs or something like that. Like, it seems like, I mean, I, I didn't read the other two remaining chapters, but like I said, it seems like there's enough to, you know, spin this off into like another ONA and, and, and have other things. So I, I don't know how it all wraps up, but as far as... The, the way they the note they ended it on in this is kind of interesting because they they clearly made a decision to end it on it looking like you know Daryl was victorious which I mean in some sense he was but I kind of find it interesting because it's like it, it's kind of like that idea of you know butt hurt Riddy or whatever you know it's like you kind of had butt hurt Eo who just didn't do anything at the end of the episode but gets stuck in prison but he does actually have this really badass moment where you know, he basically takes out like five or six guys and frees Cornelius and all those POWs and everything. And everybody's like, yo, you're naked and covered in blood. And we're so happy to see you, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's like, I guess he doesn't, he doesn't get that in this. Is that that in, same, that, that same Federation troop from our, trooper from earlier. Like, does anyone else feel uncomfortable with this? <laughs> only me. Okay. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, this is Jason Giaconetti. You may recognize my voice from the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And if you don't, you should be listening. But today I need to ask you a few questions. Do you like big bugs and you cannot lie? Other robots just can't deny that when the Queen of Space walks in and puts a blast in your face that your gears get sprung? Are you deep in the bee we're sharing? Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. But yeah, I mean, that's, I, I would say that pretty much wraps up our coverage on Gundam Thunderbolt, unless you guys have any final thoughts. Well, I, I hope they do a volume two of the anime or whatever, so yeah. we, we can see, like, what you described, like, adapted, basically. Yeah, I hope so, too. I mean, it, it looked pretty cool. It, it also, I mean, you know, given my first impressions, I would say it seemed a little more grounded than my first impressions of, like, the full armor Gundam and the psycho zaku you know like where they seemed like kind of super robots almost you know like it seemed like the the earth stuff at least from what i had read of it seemed a bit more grounded you know he's just running around in gelgoogs and you know kind of you know people are smoking cigarettes and you know it seemed like there were other newer characters they're introducing so i mean i could see why there's going to be a completely different break because you're not going to have claudia and Carla and all these other supporting characters, but it seems like it's still going to follow EO and Daryl, but just with different supporting cast in this sort of second time skip or whatever. And, and, and I think at some point it is, I, I'm trying to remember, but at some point they basically said it's, it's 0080. So I, I don't know if it's like going to tie into like war in the pocket type stuff, or if it's more continuity headaches where you're like well isn't the one year war over like why are people on earth i didn't i didn't follow the details that much to to work it out in my head but like it seemed like at some point it, it was moving towards you know the the following you know 
sort of past the one year war and stuff like that. So, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed this. Like I said, I think the animation is, is very lovely. And I, I think if you're a fan of universal century and, and you don't get too butthurt over the whole super robot thing, like this will probably be right up your alley. If you have any other comments, questions, concerns, please email us at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Podbean. We are on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream our episodes. In addition to Mobile Suit Mondays, we have plenty of other Fanhole spinoff shows, such as Transformers Tuesdays, Toku Thursdays, and Sentai Saturdays. And of course, we always have the proper Fanholes podcast, which we try to release monthly or bi-monthly these days. And we are on all kinds of social media, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. So you can reach us on any of those social media. We appreciate likes and feedback. We appreciate any reviews you leave on iTunes. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Mike, and I'm not comfortable with you all singing pop music while naked. This is Justin, and Daryl is the shit. He's like, I'm the me. I needed alone time with Justin to get the call working. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I don't know why, but it oh doesn't. Oh my! It doesn't. Oh, oh my. my! It doesn't. It doesn't work with all three of us. So I, I don't really get that anymore. But it, it just doesn't. I, I was hoping like Derek was gonna tell us that Daryl goes on to like slaughter everyone from. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. He may very well do some kick-ass shit, but. 
all, all I saw was they were kind of treating him like the second coming in that manga because he's like on the beach and everything. And they're like, dude, look, bro, he can like have a radio even though it's against regulations. Like, and he's like hanging out on the beach. And nobody's giving him shit. And like, you know, that kind of thing. And it's like, dude, he killed like 40 million people back in that one battle. It's like he's the shit, you know. So it was, that was basically what I got out of that scene.